0: Looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Pass
1: the Post for another Sunday morning. This is Nathan be filling in for David Fowler. He's on his annual... uh junket to the Adelaide Cup this weekend. I wish Mr Fowler a good morning, but um, I'm joined in the studio as uh, David is each and every Sunday at the moment by Ben Dorries. Ben, a bit of a novelty for me sitting alongside you this morning.
2: Yeah, how good is it? Two old sparring partners. I don't know if if that's actually what's happened, Nathan. I've heard you might have staged a bit of a coup to (laughs) remove David. Is there
1: any truth in that? No, there's no no truth in that, and certainly I wouldn't be divulging it if it, if that <laughs> was the case. But, uh, look, we've got a, a, a big program ahead of us, three Group 1 races around the country yesterday, uh, and the Golden Slipper picture, I'm not sure if it's become any clearer as we've got closer to the race, Ben. Um, you've got Gadda sitting there on ice, as she has been since Magic Millions, um, and there's been nothing really jump out of the ground since then so it's going to be a fascinating week just watching how it plays out leading up to the golden slipper
2: yeah absolutely it's one of those years nathan that if you like something in the golden slipper it's almost impossible to sort of convince you in or out of it i mean it's just one of those as you said one of those years and the wet track form in sydney mm. uh has further sort of muddied the waters i mean are some of these uh two-year-olds that we've seen winning are they genuinely good uh horses capable of winning a golden slipper or are they are they you know just simply, you know, very good wet trackers, I'm not sure. And and Cool and Gatta, well, we're still the favourite, but we just haven't seen her for so long, have we? Uh, don't quite know what to make of how she's mm. going, but we'll find out next Saturday.
1: <clears throat> no, Sebring did it, I think, of a 42-day break. She's trying to do it off an extra couple of weeks. But there's one thing, you wouldn't doubt that's stable. Another Group 1 went out to the tally yesterday. But we're going to start with Flemington, and there were shocks left, right and centre at headquarters yesterday. Let's kick off with the Group 1 New Market Handicap.
3: In two groups at the 600 metres, over on the far side, Finance Tycoon led by a length and a half, The Astrologist, and then September Run under pressure from Rock and Horse and Swat's that on the near side. It's Home Affairs held together, led by a length and a half to Lost and Running under the whip, then Snap Dancer, Counter Rupee, Levante, and further back is Poland as they reach the clock tower over on the far side, Rock and Horse, The Astrologist, together with September Run on the near side, Levante led them, but it's over on the far side, Rock and horse. Rock and horse in front. It's going to be an absolute boil over. Rock and horse won the new market from the astrologer's September run. And then for fourth swats, that's there with Artorius Lavonte. Next in the field, Zutori. Then Home Affairs, Mass Crusader, Finance, Tycoon, Poland, Snapdancer. Well back, Quadigo, Hal Vorsen. Lost and running under pressure, a long way from home. Oxley Road and Count de Rupee. Well, Matt Hill said it
1: all there, didn't he? When an absolute boil over. Our first guest this morning, I wonder if you share the same thoughts, uh, trainer Mike Moroni Was it an absolute boil over in your eyes? Uh, certainly not,
4: no. We, uh, I really thought the New Zealand form was up to it. Uh, she's, you know, the, the Levante, who ran fourth and, and won the race on the other side, uh, there was only a pimple between them at Trenton and great time, and I've been running that race at uh, Trenton for a long, long time, and to run the time that they did uh, meant that these these foot mares are going to be well and truly up to it. So, um, look, when you when you went through the form um, and then saw what was in the race, you started to get the shakes a bit. But um, you know, both them proved that you know the form was correct um, by Levante beating those other good horses on the outside as well. <laughs>
2: Mike, I'm fascinated by the pre-race talk between you and, and jockey Patrick Maloney, who obviously snared his first Group One win. Uh, you know, during Barrier Three, always the plan to, to to stay on the inside, and and did the did the race sort of work out how you kind of thought it would? I mean, the inside division was was clearly superior.
4: Yeah, look, take you back through that. Um, when I got on course, uh, my racing um, manager. Um, Anthony Froach rang me and said, look, Katrina uh, Williams is here. She'd like to see you. Uh, Katrina's in a wheelchair. She was a world-class equestrian rider and and um, had a bad fall and has been in a wheelchair ever since. And She was there, so I had a bit of talk with her, and she was really bullish, and she said to me, I want to see Patrick before the race and give him a bit of a pep talk. <laughs> so we got Patrick out, and uh, Patrick even said to me, he said, said she um, gave me a real strong pep talk, and and um, yeah, really sort of pumped them up and uh, I think that really helped and uh, the first thing I said to Patrick was what do you want to do I, I said oh, I think we're going to come to the middle and to the outer and he said I don't he said oh, there's a few of us want to go to the inside and he said there's a group of guys all talking that you know the the, the, the better forms on the outer but our chance of beating them is that we go to the inner um, and set up the right gallop and I just think that's, that's what they did they set up when you watch the, the white lines across the, the, the screen there, they won the race by um, measuring their gallop the whole way. And whereas I don't think there's a big bias, I just think it was that they got it right and the ones on the outer got it wrong. Um, and then when you frank the form, you say, well, OK, those better ones on the outside, Levante beats them easily. And that means that it's the right form. I think if we're out out with them. On the outer part, we sort of won the race. So I think the Paul pranked itself by the result on the outside as well. So I do think that that was the master stroke, those guys getting the pace right. And I think a, a little bit of um, luck there in the fact that there's always going to be a couple of quick horses go, go to the inner, uh, which really helped Carter me like mine into the race at the right time. Well they certainly did get it right. Just back to the, the, the Kiwi
1: sprinting for Mike, I think in Australia we have a tendency just to dismiss it. You know, I'm old enough to remember Mr. Tiz coming here and winning a, a Galaxy. But as a rule the, the Kiwi sprinters have have been a rung below ours. What what made you think that this particular vintage of the New Zealand sprinters
4: would stack up uh, to this lot? Uh just the times they're running over there. Um and and okay, you're just gonna compare times. Uh, they ran so fast there uh, at Trentham, and that, that's yeah. been, you know, that race has been run for a long, long time. And and you know that if they can run that time compared to the, the other uh, champion sprinters like Mr. Tiz that have been down the, the straight there at Trentham, uh, if they can run those sort of times, they're well up to them. They're well up to them. And, look, I was I worked for Dave O'Sullivan uh, all the way through. Um, I'd, I was out by myself all the time. Mr. Tiz came along. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was just as I was leaving Dave um, to set up by myself that Mr. Tis was a yelling there uh, yeah. then. So, um, but just saw him and what he could do in New Zealand and then when he came to Australia, is when the galaxy was unbelievable. So yeah, I know it's a long time uh, between drinks and uh, Mr. Tis was quite bletchingly, uh, but this Pering is a great Cyrus sprinter and he was a... According to Sam, he broke one nine himself overseas that many times when he was winning his races. Uh, he's a real speed horse and he's um, proved it by having two runners in East stage New Market. And yeah. he's the uh, leading sire in Hong Kong this year, too, or last, last season. So he, he's, a, he's becoming a uh, very, very good sire.
2: Mike, talk to us a bit about Patrick Maloney. I'm just looking at his uh, at his social media profile here, and uh, he describes himself as just a ginger ninja living the dream, but he's a hell of a lot more than that. He's a Group 1 winning oh, jockey right. now, and, and he's watched a few of his mates like Ben Allen win Group 1s recently, but, uh, m- you know, a magic moment for him.
4: Magic moment for him and, and myself with him too, because Patrick Cummins was my stable rider for about uh, two and a half years. Um I think that the, the race that sort of lost him the job was his, his ride in the new market on Tabachi. It wasn't his fault at all. He wrote to instructions and things went wrong. He should have won the new market that year. And I think that was just... And then we split, split ways, but amicably, and I've always been um, a friend and, and a close friend of, of Patrick's. He's uh, a great young guy uh, with work ethics that you, know, you just couldn't knock. His ability uh, as a horseman is unbelievable. Um, I would say he's the, the best jockey I've had. Uh, that consistently rode track work for me over the years, and he's the best horseman of them. Um, he'd hop on young ones. He was brought up on young horses. Uh, a true horseman, and uh, just great to see him get the Group One, and then for me as well because he was. You know, we got pretty close, and then at times, you know, would say he's like a son to me. So um, to have that um, was really special, you say.
1: And Mike, just explain to us how it works with with you and Pam Gerard that that training situation. Yeah,
4: well, it works out perfectly because um, we leave a lot of the horses and that in New Zealand they mature. Uh, it's certainly, the best place in the world I've seen for for growing clean bone and horses. Um, I've been to Kentucky, Ireland, the other noted places um, for it. But the the environment um, there in New Zealand and and the the weather just just tends to breed um, really clean-boned, sound horses. And I've always given them the time. This mare here, she injured herself a little bit before we got hold of her. I know she was due in the stable a few times and hurt herself down at the stud. So she didn't uh, turn up to us till a later age, and she was never straightforward. So Pam's done a great job with her. And it's a great opportunity for, for people to leave horses in New Zealand, grow them out properly, and then have them come across. So the situation's worked out really well. Uh, we've sent sound back there. He runs in the Auckland Cup today. I think I've sent about four or five back to win group one races there. So we, we do sort of um, spread it around a little bit and and that, and, and it's also great for, for mares and fillies to get back tight in New Zealand. We do that a bit too, them across there for that. So... The whole system works out great and um, the online may, may continue because we've uh, bought a few really nice yearlings over there this year and Pam's a, has a great job. She's a great horsewoman. She had trained a 100 or so winners in her own right before she came into the partnership with me. And, um, you know, I know, especially with COVID being on and I haven't been able to get back there, I only got back there once briefly, uh, but I know that the horses are in good hands and she's worked for me for long enough now that, um, even though we do a lot by phone, um, I'm pretty sure that you know she she knows exactly what to do and does a great job.
2: And the wheel, uh, I guess, of racing keeps turning, doesn't it, Mike? I, I noted with in- noted with interest the other day that uh, Tefane um, is going to be sold at the Magic Minions National Sale, uh, the four-time group one winner who's just given you a lot of joy. So I guess you would be a bit sad to see her leave.
4: Yeah, look, she really has. Those beers are hard to find. Um, you know, a lot of them only beat their own age at six, but she hasn't. She, she's taken on all comers in one of these group ones, and takes a special horse to do that. Um, I think she's been pretty underrated for for you know what she's achieved. And uh, she's going to be sadly missing the stable, or we've just got to be able to replace her. Uh, they're very, very hard to find those ones. But, look, she's been great for the stable. Uh, now it's come the time that, um, at her age, she really needs to go to the breeding barn, so... She'll have two more runs. Um, She runs in the All-Star Mile. And it'll either be the uh, the Mayor's um, Wait for Age um, in Sydney or the All-Age Stakes will be a swan song. And um, a a quick break and then um, up to the
1: sales. Lovely to see her get another
4: Group 1 before she goes in. In
1: terms of rock and horse, what's the agenda for her now?
4: Look, we had planned on um, running in the Sangster in Adelaide, freshen her up again. She's Mm -hmm. good fresh. Uh, we did throw an arm for TJ Smith. Um, I'll, I'll have a bit of a, a um, meeting with Sam um, and Katrina over uh, where we, we're going to hit next. But they were the original plans. We'd come here for the new market. we go and we would run in the, the sinks or the Goodwood um, with, with what the plans were originally. Um, as to whether we changed plans, I suppose the risk you take is the, the weather will be better up in Sydney. Yep. And um, that's the same with my really good three-year-old quality. So you see that. We're probably going to go Adelaide because we're not really—we uh, don't want to risk the weather in Sydney, uh, which is normally winter in that that carnival. So um, yeah, that's uh, a few things we've got to add up. Um, but this stage, that's you know, the plan was to run in the same cities. Right,
1: well, we look forward to seeing her when she next steps out. Good luck with Tefani heading to the All Star Mile this weekend, and we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks very much, Mike.
4: Thanks for having me on. Thank you.
1: You've been that time that um, Mike was referring to. They ran 1 minute 6.18. So that's almost 1,100 metre time uh, here in Australia. But they, they do run very fast times in Trentham. But the fact, the, the Kiwis won the inside race and the outside race here, there yesterday. So they, they stood up against our best.
2: Yeah, and the uh, trifecta in that race, Nathan, <laughs> just a lazy $78,000. Did anyone? you have it just 100% or a little uh, bit more? No, just a few times. Just yeah. a few just times. Just a few yes. times. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think the, the, the uh, 200000 for the, the first four is uh, an extraordinary result. Uh, another upset in the Australian Cup, but not to, the, not to the same extent. Spanish Mission was well back to beat Think It Over, who was an easing favourite, but instead it was a man we know well here in Queensland that uh, overpowered them both.
3: They come around the corner in the Australian Cup and the leader, Spanish Mission, clicked up and led by a length and a quarter. Call sign, Mav chasing. Two further back, Delphi, Yonkers, Cascadian back to the inside. Think it over, hooks out wide. Jewis running on, Spanish Mission, 300 metres to go. Led by a length and a half to call sign, Mav, Cascadian. Here come the swoopers. Think it over and Jewis are coming together. Spanish Mission, 100 to go. Jewis is wearing it down. Jewis takes the lead. Jewis for Josh Parr, won the Australian Cup won it easily, Dewis from thinking over Spanish Mission, Ho Ho Khan they were followed by Cascadian Yonkers, Surprise Baby Callsign Mav, Steel Prince She's Ideal Maximal and Delphi amongst the tail enders
1: well, Josh Palm may, may want to just set up camp full-time in um, in Melbourne. Ben, he rode a double there at uh, Flemington last week, and he's landed the big one yesterday on Dewis in the Australian Cup.
2: Yeah, and obviously, Nathan, terrific result for Ed Cummings. I think his famous grandfather, Bart, won this race on uh, 13 occasions. We, we both had a bit to do with Ed, didn't we? When he came up with Dewis um, for a winter campaign, which uh, culminated in, in that... Um, we saw...
1: We saw how meticulous he was in that preparation as well. He wasn't uh, tempted into running her in a lead-up race. He was steadfast that she didn't need that. He, he absolutely stuck to his beliefs there and came up trumps. And Similarly, this week, he was he was very bullish about Dewa's chances in the Australian Cup.
2: Yeah, well, I think he pointed out, even in the lead-up, I mean, he felt that she was very unlucky not to have, eat, have beaten Barry Elegant uh, in the Chipping Norton. He felt that was... Um, you know, pretty darn good form. So, look, I think he's even, um, you know, he's looking at potentially the Tancred or maybe yep. even the Queen Elizabeth uh, for her now. So, look, oh, I love it. Yeah, gee whiz, I'm, you, know, you and I are probably a bit, you know, both biased with these sort of things, <laughs> aren't we? But I love seeing a horse. Uh, that's won a Group 1 or performed well up in Queensland, really going down. And, and look, Tefane, we just talked about her only a few minutes ago with Mike Moroni, same sort of thing. So yeah, exactly. great to see that win at Carnival form, for want of a better another word, really stacking up, Nathan. Yeah, well, we saw
1: Converge win a Group 1 last Saturday, Tefane a few weeks before that, and now Dewis, all, all out of Group 1 winners from here last year. You mentioned Bart's name. He last won the Australian Cup with Sermione in 2008. I thought there was a terrific photo there yesterday of uh, Ed Cummings holding the... The Australian Cup trophy with uh, the the statue of Bart there at Flemington.
2: Yeah, it was uh, it was a terrific moment. I love the the way how it's funny you you know I've covered a lot of sport in my time. You see some uh, sons, grandsons of famous sporting identities trying to really w- almost ignore their family pedigree and, and just really make it in their own right, which you can totally understand. But every time Ed Cummings is interviewed, he really pays tribute to his father, his grandfather, uh, which I think's a terrific. Spanish Mission was an interesting one. Nathan ran mm. third, and I'll tell you why that was significant. Uh, penned a story for out last week with uh, Bray Sikulski, who's yep. a friend of this show, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't mind uh, a big statement, doesn't mind a controversial statement. He said, if this horse does not run first or second, uh, in uh, the Australian Cup, he said, I'll give up. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not sure, he copped a bit of uh, Twitter backlash yesterday, but uh, Spanish Mission had um, his chance, obviously, you know, uh, went along in front, think it over, it was a funny old run, think it over, it looked completely gone there at one point, but um, came again, and Natural Willow was, was satisfied with that run.
1: They've run along in that race, and I think Spanish Mission would have been a surprise leader to to many in that race. They've run Two minutes flat point, 8-2, which is good going there over the 2,000 at Flemington. They tend to run quick time in that Australian Cup. But the tempo was genuine. Um, he, I think he's going along well, pretty well, Spanish Mission. I'd, I'd assume that he'd be a horse that'd press on to the tanker. Now you'd think he'd be better suited up to 2,400 metres in that race. Thinking over was terrific. He, he settled back further than I expected midfield. But he fleetingly looked the winner. But you could see that Dewis was really just tanking up outside him and, um, you now it was all honest with her. She's gone away to win by two lengths and then she may well go on with it now um, that she's she's reached that level and um, the tanker is the most likely, but she can run in that and then come back to the Queen Elizabeth. That's been done before and obviously Ed's not going to run away from a, a clash with another clash with very
2: elegant. No, for sure, Nathan, and it was a powerful win, wasn't it? There was no excuses, really. No, I know you no. mentioned the quick pace, but, um, you know, she looked a winner really with that powerful sprint, you know, 100 metres out, didn't she? It was an eclectic
1: day there at Flemington yesterday we had a new eclectic. market winner from New Zealand uh, an Australian Cup winner from Sydney and then we get to the Shaftesbury Avenue handicap race 8 and uh, it was all about uh, the Perth mare
3: Around the corner, 500 metres to run. It's Morvada, length. Milton, Park, Holbein at Bolter's Odds behind them looking for a run. Crosshaven to the middle of the track and then came our playboy. Kiss on all four cheeks presents to the middle of the course and running on boldly. Morvada at the 300 metres. Kiss on all four cheeks is about to let down the Perth visitor and takes the lead. Then Crosshaven, our playboy and Holbein up on the fence. Then Jerry Tortoni. But Kiss on all four cheeks is going to race clear and is going to trot in. Kiss on all four cheeks. Has won it well from Crosshaven Morvada. Our playboy prominent for fourth from Holbein Shalo. Then ain't no deal done. Cherry Tour Tony. Not a lot of run on from a few of these. Pell and Milton Park and Rich Hibson and Rock and last was four home too.
1: We're well accustomed to these horses coming from WA measuring up in the east. More often than not it's uh, horses in the Bob Peters colours but uh, terrific to see Dan Morton with another good horse here and she's won 9 of 19 now.
2: Yeah absolutely and I think it was 13 years, Nathan, since Scenic Blast won the the new market on the the same day. Obviously for Dan Morton, so a bit of not history repeating, but um, you know, turning back time a little bit. I think. Uh, from listening to Dan Morton, they're very much eyeing off Sydney now. But, again, with so many, it just depends on the weather. Like, if the weather clears in Sydney, yeah. uh, you probably find a kiss on all four cheeks in Sydney. If it doesn't, who knows?
1: Yeah, I see she's had one go on a heavy track and failed there over in the west. She was group one placed uh, a couple of times there during their carnival. So, she was well placed there and she was she was far too good. Can you shed any light on the name? No, no. <laughs> Frustrated. I'm looking for a kiss on all four cheeks, F-O-U-R, but that's just... Nothing from me, no. No, very good. Let's continue. I think we saw a pretty promising two year old take out the, the size produce steaks yesterday.
3: So it's Yaka Ishii, the first to straighten from Duet-la, Marty the inside, then came Man in the Mirror out deeper, further back in the field Then our Deeper Merchant Prince. Let's roll the dice, trying to wind up, and Brosnan the grey is coming through between horses. Yaka Ishi as they reach the 200 metres under pressure, Man in the Mirror's just about got it. Let's roll the dice, is stomping up as well. Let's roll the dice, moves up, takes the lead from Yaka Ishi running a race, then Man in the Mirror. Let's roll the dice! Let's roll the dice! One the sires from Man in the mirror photo third yaka ishi or brosnan and back behind them bez marty then do it la queen latifah merchant prince amatra sir bailey i'm not sure how much room it had in the straight from jamara bonheur and well back in the field no bell amongst the tailenders
1: of so Dundee, comes off a heavy track win at Bendigo at 1100, gets on the firm track at Flemington 1400, and um, just as impressive, he's now likely to be on his way to Sydney to have a crack at a couple of group ones uh, in the second and third legs of the triple crown, Ben.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and looks uh, like it could be up to some of those group ones, and this is uh, one horse that the Wet uh, Warrior <laughs> at all right. in Sydney absolutely ploughed uh, through the weck round on debut to score at Bendigo, I think, run one by four lengths or something like that. So, um, yeah, very, very impressive win, as you say. Sat wide, overpowered his rivals, and nothing else, um, gave nothing else a chance.
1: Yeah, Punnett did have to endure a few rough results there at Flemington yesterday, but he was one they got right, and the size is a race that, that can produce a good horse going forward. Argentia was once again well back to win the CUNY Stakes. Here's how it unfolded.
3: They run for the money, 4.50 out, it's Lavish Girl just in front of Barb Raider, it's going to be a dash home, a length and a quarter away, yearning, Stray the inside, then Argentia three off the lead, further back mockalure and So You See, trying to bullock into the clear, Lavish Girl joined by Barb Raider at the 200 metres, Barb Raider and Lavish Girl, Barb Raider just in front, is still coming, Argentia coming at Barb Raider, 50 to go, Barb Raider, Argentia's coming out of. they hit the line, Barb Raider just beat Argentia, third of photo, Mokalur will see. So you see, then behind those horses, hardly sweet with Biscayne Bay, yearning lavish girl, and behind those horses, then stray and a long last Artica.
1: She's having a good preparation, Barb Raider. She won the Flemington 1400 first up the Group Three, now a Group Two success there yesterday. She was there to be run down, Ben, but she found enough.
2: Yeah, she was good and really interesting. I reckon the um, Jerome Hunter aborted a plan to go to the VRC Oaks. Um, you know, with this girl, because he felt like you know potentially she wouldn't stay the distance. But mm-hmm. I think an Oaks plan could be back on the agenda post-race. He was he was quite bullish in thinking about the Australian Oaks potentially in Sydney, and I note she's now a $13 chance. So. Uh, very much in the market there. So you'd
1: think she'd go to the Vinery. It's going to be interesting seeing these Melbourne fillies clash with the Sydney fillies. The Sydney's form, Sydney Phillies form hasn't stacked up as well as many would have expected through the, the big guns there and Espiona and Fangirl. So I think these girls coming from Melbourne heading north will certainly make their presence felt.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, we'll talk about this later, but a real X factor in the mix there from Queensland yes. Gypsy Goddess, who we will get to not- later.
1: Uh, Genty is turning into a good horse for bookmakers. She's now been beaten three times at... Um, Sub three dollars. a two wins she's won at 850 and 650. Um, she's bred to get further, Frankel out of Princess Cope. So I wonder whether she presses on to the vinery as well. And when she gets to 2,000 metres, she might come into rain. But she, she's, she's kept trying there yesterday, hasn't she?
2: Yeah, she has. And um, so you see, ran quite nicely for fourth as well. Mike Moroni uh, referencing her before, saying that uh, she's very much one on the up to keep an Bef- eye on.
1: Before we leave Flemington, uh,
2: the matron stakes flying mascot just continues to deliver for, for Tom Dabbernik. Yeah, you know what, Nathan? Um, one, and I know this, uh, you know, who cares if you're a punner, I guess. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, it can be a cranky trainer, a nice trainer, a great jockey, a, a, an awful jockey, whatever. It doesn't matter if you're backing a winner. But Tom Dabbernik, if he's not the nicest bloke in racing, he's on the podium, very, very close. So I'm, I'm uh, very much cheering for his success. Of course, he... Uh, split with Lindsay Park was was training with David Hayes and then Ben Hayes for for quite some time. So, uh, I'm thrilled he's making a success of his new solo training career. Yep, and uh,
1: I'd assume that she'll have a, a Group One target uh, lined up soon enough. She goes on the wet. She she ploughed through the wet going there at Mooney um, Valley on Cox Plate day. So maybe the the Coolmore Legacy or the Queen of the Turf, whatever it's called this year, <laughs> might be <laughs> her race. Uh,
2: that's Flemington. Anything else relevant from Flemington before we head to a break, Ben? No, uh, that's about it. I guess All-Star Mile uh, mm-hmm. next week. Uh, the field has sort of took shape and it was you know, it's sort of been decimated a bit. <laughs> but uh, I think it's, a, you know, I'm a big fan of those new innovative races. I think New All-Star Mile's, uh, you know, a nice race. I think um, the renditions of it so far have been terrific. So I'm looking forward to watching that. Of course, we've got a million group ones as mm. well. Uh, next weekend, uh, but certainly um, focus in Melbourne on the All-Star Mile.
1: And I like that All-Star Mile with the, the, the blend of three-year-olds um, having a crack against the older horses, those ones coming through the Australian Guineas. So that's Flemington for yesterday. We'll take a break on Pass the Post. This is Pass the Post for Archer Park Racing. We'll come back and have a look at what unfolded at a very wet Rose Hill yesterday.
0: This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level.
1: Thanks for your company this morning. Nathan X will be filling in for David Fowler this morning with Ben Dorries. Let's head to Rose Hill. We know how wet it's been in Sydney. It was another wet track at Rose Hill for the running of the Coolmore Classic and this training juggernaut of Kieran Marr and David Eustace added another group one.
5: And Expat is the leader. Got a length and a half. Now up on Vangelic and their dominant leaders. Lighthouse goes to third from Miravision. Vision. is not in the hut. Expat in front. Lighthouse, the greys, digging in. And Lighthouse moved up to Expat. Clear from Mirror Vision. Vangelic and promises success. But Lighthouse, she's drawn clear here in the Kilmore Classic. And Lighthouse way too good. Miravision second. Hinge jumped out of the ground to run third in front of Promises Success. And Expat close up. Then came Vangelic from Espiona who couldn't make up the leeway. Then Wonderbar, a gap back to Capistel from Polly Gray. And yes, baby yes, was last in.
1: Well, she was imported from America. We first saw her in Australia at Kitan last November. She's gone all the way through. And someone who can tell us a whole lot more about the Lighthouse story is Hannah Jennings. Thanks for your company, Hannah.
6: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
2: Uh, Hannah, I think you might be uh, the first guest ever on this show, speaking to us from America. So thanks very much for coming on. Now, Australian audiences would know you, I suppose, primarily for being the owner of uh, Away Game, which, of course, we saw winning um, you know, the Magic Minions a few years ago. Now, you're based in Kentucky. I- I'm going to give you the floor and let you explain to our listeners, uh, you know, the background of Lighthouse uh, and, and your role in it uh, and, and how, this, uh, the, how this mayor came to Australia.
6: Yeah, so um, Alex Salise, um, he's the bloodstock agent for LNJ Foxwoods, and they're big owners in America. I mean, they've had Kentucky Derby winners and Breeders' Cup winners, so um, they've had a few mares and things in Australia, racehorse here and there, so Alex Salise has kind of known, you know, that he wants to be a little more involved in Australian racing, and uh, Lighthouse was a affiliate they bought from a two-year-old sale in the U.S., and she had... Won a couple of races. She won a listed race and was a uh, graded stakes place. So he came up with the idea of sending her down to Australia, just kind of based off the fact that her handicap would be super low. And, you know, being a turf sprinter, that's not a huge priority in the U.S. So figure she can kind of capitalize it on, bit, on it a bit more in Australia. So he approached me with, uh, you know, what I thought of Kieran Marr and Dave Eustis. And obviously I've had a great experience with them and um, kind of connected the dots and the rest is history.
2: And, of course, Annie, you worked uh, for, for a while in Australia for Kieran. I think it was just Kieran at the time before uh, Dave joined him. But but basically, uh, you effectively keep an eye on things in America for, for Kieran, do you? Is that sort of how it works? Like you can, you know, um, sort of, as you said, join the dots a bit for him over there. If there's if there's something, a horse or, or you know, that, that could potentially race in Australia, a horse, you know, he might like to buy, you're sort of, I suppose, he's contacted America, yeah?
6: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm still on the team as a, the U.S. representative, so kind of when I was leaving, we talked about, you know, it'd be great to, you know, the world's becoming a smaller place, and it'd be great to be able to bring some horses over from America and race them down there, just those horses that don't have the perfect races for them in America or just would kind of fit the profile for Australia. Um, so that's kind of how, you know, Lighthouse came to be, and hopefully there's a lot more in the future.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, with Lighthouse being sort of a, like a test project, it's obviously been a very successful <laughs> test very project. Well. <laughs> so is there a number of others now that you've earmarked and think that they might fit into a, a similar, similar category?
6: Exactly. Yeah. And um, L&J is actually sending, I think, two more down in the next few months. So that'll be exciting. And then I definitely have my eyes on a couple more. So we'll see what happens. <laughs>
2: So do you stay up to to I'm not exactly sure what time this race would have been on your time in Kentucky Hannah, but uh, well, tell us what time it was on and do you, do you stay up to, to, to watch these races or do you, do you hit you know record on the, the TV or, or how do you, how do you do it?
6: Uh, I usually stay up yeah um, it's normally about one, two or three in the morning somewhere in that range so but I mean when you're running in a group one, it's not an everyday thing, so force it. <laughs> <laughs> and the
2: last one for me, Hannah. You, you're very big, I guess, on um, trying to introduce young people to racing in America, and I guess by default, uh, you know, your association in Australia as well. That you know, young people that you know may not have a racing background, don't know how to get into horse ownership. Um, you, you know, potentially like the like the look of it, but you run sort of social events and all sorts of things, which I think is terrific. Yeah, definitely. So
6: I'm the vice president of something one of my friends set up called Nexus Racing Club. And um, its target is exactly what you said, to bring young people in racing who, like myself, are not from a racing background, um, you know, and get them to and to enjoy the sport we all love and kind of give them an avenue, a foot in the door. Um, and that's how I got to work for Karen and Dave was through that club. I met Tom Ryan, who um, is partners in Newgate Bloodstock. And um, he set me up with Karen and Dave, and on we went, and that led to a away game and all the rest. So, you know, everyone just needs a, needs a chance. So that's kind of what we're trying to give them is, give the connections and the experience to go on and
1: do big things in racing well, racing certainly needs uh, more people like yourself to continue on to those those next generations and and, and open mm-hmm. it up so congratulations on on what you're doing there and congratulations on the thank success you. with with lighthouse uh, we look forward to seeing what she goes on and can do from here but also uh, the next uh, the next range of uh, horses we see from uh, ellen J foxwoods thanks so much for joining us this morning thank you it's a great story isn't it ben
2: yeah, it, it really is, and it just shows you, the I suppose, the connections that racing can make. And I, I do love that side of her business, uh, getting people into horse racing ownership, um, because it can be a bit daunting, can't it? I mean, you, you can be, you know, twenty two, twenty three 22, 23-year-old with a little bit of disposable income, but you sort of think, oh, you know, I, I don't want to sort of get involved in horse ownership. I'm a bit scared of it. But, you know, if there's a social side to it as well, if it can be explained to you, if it's fun, I suppose that's the main thing, if it's fun, um, you know, it can really get you in the door. Now, listen, I thought Hinged was mm-hmm. a very good run uh, in this. I thought, I thought from certainly from an Oaks point of view, uh, was a nice run. Espiona, uh, leave me out. Uh, <laughs> she needs, she needs a break and potentially dry tracks. I'd say.
1: Well, I don't think potentially dry tracks. She definitely needs dry tracks. It surprised me that they tipped in to the extent they did yesterday because I felt she really struggled. Like the, her action was sort of didn't seem right in a previous start. Um, I'd love to see her freshened up, get onto a firm track, and come here to, to Queensland. I'd be pitching up for that because
2: you know I'm not. <laughs> well, you can do that now. You work at the Brisbane <laughs> race. <laughs> that's can what actually, we'll be doing. You can actually pitch up. But on, in, in on the phone to Denise Martin for sure. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, this source only a few starts ago it was the reincarnation of Farlap and Black. Yeah, KBR. I think
1: that's, that's partly your fault being in the media (laughs) these days. You pump these horses up. But it was a spectacular win at Flemington, and the the form behind is stacked up okay there. So I would suggest that you won't be seeing her on too many wet tracks going forward. What they do from here, he'll he'll get it right, Chris Waller. He he always does. But um, as I say, I wouldn't mind seeing her just freshened up and uh, get into a Stradroke with 50 kilos. Um, It's just... My opinion. Look, uh, we've got a black opal to be run today. That'll sort of possibly throw some more light on the Golden Slipper. But otherwise, the traditional lead-ups uh, finished there in Sydney yesterday. Let's listen to the first of them, the Magic Knight Stakes. We had a Magic Knight winner win the Golden Slipper three years ago in Kiamichi. Will history repeat this year?
5: Celestial Spirit held the front from Winner Takes It All, a half length away followed by Miss Fabergé of the centre Swiss Sweet out three wide, Magic Carpet fifth, the rails, then came Siriu from She's Extreme coming a bit wider in fact they all come wide, well off the fence they straighten up now, Winner Takes It All, makes the move now and got to a narrow lead from Celestial Spirit Swiss Sweet is closing in, She's Extreme winding up on the outside and then came Miss Fabergé, they're right across the track and She's Extreme letting down hard now and the favourite move to up to take the lead away from magic carpenter then swift sweet and she's extreme pushed out by berry goes home best won it by a length and a half second magic carpenter get back to swift sweet the miss fabergé followed by yankee hustler a gap back to winner takes it all celestial spirit Fund sunday regal inheritance with minor headway at the end from Atwana and siri was last in
1: Well, Extreme Choice side, the winner of last year's Golden Slipper. Can he do it again? Our next guest this morning may be able to shed some light on that for us. Anthony Cummings, congratulations on yesterday's success for She's Extreme.
7: Yeah, thank you. She did a good job.
1: She certainly did do a good job. I was interested in in Tommy Berry's post-race comments in terms of him trialling her early on, and at one point he said to you uh, he thinks she might be looking for a break now, and you said uh, in words to the effect that uh, you just leave that up to me.
7: (laughs) Yeah, so um, uh, in the first trial, she tried really well, uh, but she was a little bit slow out. So we had to go back and trial her again. uh, And at that stage, we were heading for the uh, English race worth a million bucks or thereabouts. And uh, at the time, the rain sort of turned up and the trials were put on the poly track. uh, And she didn't like the feel of it. And she jarred up a little bit on that track. So, in fact, she did spend about 10 days in the paddock, not in the paddock, but she was still working, mm-hmm. uh, but out of the stable, and most of the workers had a water walker just to help her get over that. And uh, when she came back, she was fine. So, um, and just stayed that way since. So, you know, in some respects, there was something in what he said, but it was more to do with the track and how it affected her than anything else.
2: Trying to unlock this golden slipper puzzle, Anthony, is a bit like trying to solve a a Rubik's Cube or or fix a Rubik's Cube. I've got absolutely no idea. (laughs) It's one of those sort of years, isn't it? It's very wide open and and that must sort of give you a heart as well. You've got a a girl in form here and, and, you know, you've just as good a chance as anything else in a a very wide open year. Yeah, I think so. I
7: mean, and some of the mysteries too, I suppose, is is that uh, Koolingado's been sort of hanging around, you know, trials and and private gallows and different things. Uh, and has been one of the favourites all the way through after a very good spring and and summer. Um, So it, once again, makes it difficult to gauge. But I think consistently over this season that the Phillies have been fast in the Colts. Uh, In the most part, they've beaten them when the the fields have been together. Um, And uh, and certainly again yesterday, the the Phillies went up at a second faster than the Colts. So it would seem to be a Phillies year. uh, And I'm pretty sure that we've got one of the best ones. Uh, certainly one that likes a wet track, that's for sure. Uh, the, um, you know, Tommy made the comment yesterday that sort of riding her on that track, you know, she made it feel like it was a fast track. So, you know, that sort of ability on that sort of testing ground is going to be, you know, uh, what you're looking for next week.
1: Anthony, you've been to a slipper before with, with a, a leading hope. Um, how does she line up with some of the other two-year-olds you've taken to the Golden Slipper?
7: Uh, she lines up very well. Uh, she's looked apart right from the get-go. Uh, and, and every time we've got an answer to do something, she's responded you know, like a skipper horse should. Uh, and so, you know, Cassandra Prince was a favourite. I think Zabritsch was one of the favourites here. He was there. Uh, Smart Missile, although he did run scratch stretch at the barrier, yep. he was one of the favourites. And, you know, she lines up, you know, as, as similar uh, to those and certainly worthy of a place.
2: And, Anthony, big day on another front, I guess, as well, with Ed. Um, yeah, winning the group that's one. pretty
7: exciting. Yeah, winning yeah.
2: the Group 1 in Melbourne. I mean, do, do you get uh, just as much of a thrill out of these days of anything you, you, your boys do as, as opposed yeah, to, to sort of what you're doing as well? Yeah, absolutely. I
7: mean, it, um, in, some, in some respects, more. I don't have to worry about it, and there's no pressure, so I just get to cheer when they win. So... <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hey, who's whose confidence is it that Ed has inherited? Is that yours, or is that his grandfather's?
7: <laughs> uh, well, it'd be hard to say. I mean, it sort of it, it runs through um, the family a bit, uh, but also, I think as a trainer, you need to be a positive thinker to sort of survive some of the pitfalls. But uh, the uh, you know he's doing a great job. He started from scratch uh, and is working his way towards the top. You know, quicker than most. Yeah,
1: just back to. She's extreme. You've pulled her from the Easter sale last year. We know what Extreme Choice is doing as a sire. It's quite extraordinary given his lim- limited numbers. But 275000 for an affiliate of Easter looks pretty cheap and certainly looks cheap now.
7: Oh, uh, absolutely. Uh, the, um, she was actually catalogued for the Magic Millions and was going to go there. I'd seen her in the uh, in the paddocks before the Magics uh, and quite liked her. And she had a couple of little x ray issues. Uh, and unfortunately for me, they sort of plucked her out of that, so I went and uh, fixed those things up, and she turned up at Easter with a clean set of x-rays. So, <laughs> uh, added to the price, but uh, it was still cheap enough. Yeah. Um, and, um, you, know, uh, you know, Extreme Choice was starting to put his hand up, and done some good things by then, uh, and um, it did make it a little bit dearer, but still cheap on the, on the way those things go. But, you know, so are funny things. Uh, you just sort of go along and do your homework, find the ones you like, and... Wait for something to turn up that, that doesn't bring the money.
2: Anthony she's extreme now into thirteen dollars in uh, next Saturday's slipper. What would you say to people who really like to win, um, who sort of want to get on board, but but just don't don't know what to make of the seven-day backup?
7: Oh, I don't think it'll be an issue for her. Uh, like. Uh, so then going along, you know, I hadn't expected that uh, that she would be up for that, uh, but she's recovered very quickly from every run, so. You know, the, the original plan was <clears throat> to uh, win first upshore uh, We had no luck that day, and she had uh, an unlucky fourth. Uh, and then to go from there to uh, the, uh, the the race of the reason, two weeks out. Uh, in trying to, I suppose, stay away from where Kuligata might go, uh, and given that she was going, to probably get scratched off on the 10-day backup race. Uh, we finished up going there, but once again, I hadn't expected to go there, I hadn't expected to be able to back up that quickly on them. Off that start, but um, she'd had a pretty good grounding and she recovered really quickly and just sort of put a hand up to say, "I'm ready to go," uh, and she was. and ran really well. Orbit again unlucky with a bit of a scrimmage at the top of the straight and a bit of a lack of racecraft and not knowing quite what to do once she did get the clear sort of cost her that day. Uh, and I, at that point, I was sort of you know thinking, "Well, we, you know, maybe we just are you know, not going to get there this year." Um, and then in the in the week that followed, she picked up really quickly and and it was you know, on the following Saturday was the first time she'd done any work uh, since that first lead-up race, and she was bright, and she could have gone to the races that day. Uh, And i think, well, you know, if you're this good now, then, you know, uh, in a couple of weeks' time, you might be just as good, and that that would be a handy day to be that.
1: We hear the the term sense of timing a lot in racing. Is she the the one with the sense of timing going to this year's Golden Slipper?
7: Yeah, I think that's true. And, And I suppose you're going on to... You know, high-pressure races on heavy tracks, you know, the horses that are racing in seven days tend to be the the more successful ones. Uh, And and I suppose uh, against what Cooling has been up to, she had a trial on Friday. Uh, I think I'd rather have my recipe than that one and not being disrespectful in any regard. I mean, uh, those guys know what they're doing and she'll be hard to beat regardless, but um, I'm pretty happy where I'm sitting.
1: Yep, it's a, it's a good spot to be in. Hope everything goes well in the next seven days, and uh, perhaps uh, Ben and uh, David might be talking to you next Sunday morning. Thanks so much for your time this morning.
7: Good Thank you.
1: Cheers, Anthony. Anthony Cummings with another big race prospect. Ben, let's head to the Pango Pago Stakes and the Rise of the Masses with another famous name in racing, getting a shot at the slipper.
5: Rise of the Masses at the 300 in front from Sweet Ride. Nippertino Williamsburg can't sustain the run. Magic two lengths off the lead, and Pike gives the favor of the queue, but he's still got chasing to do. Rise of the Masses from Sweet Ride. Rise of the Masses are just in front. Sweet Ride strong the inside. Rise of the Masses lifting and wins. Rise of the Masses was able to fend off Sweet Ride to win it. Photo for third Magic and Williamsburg have got his second win again. Further back to Peace Officer Cote. Well. The investor and Nippotino.
1: There it is, Rise of the Masses uh, earning its spot into the Golden Slipper. It's a $26 chance in the slipper. Ben, let's have a look at that um, tab market for the slipper. Kulangatta is the $4.50 favourite. So who's been there right from the start went on the same day as Gatta at the start of the season $7 then we're out to Russian Conquest 11 Best of Bordeaux and She's Extreme 13. Then we get to the Blue Diamond winner Domier at $15 alongside Fireburn, Jackano Revolutionary Miss and then $18 or better the rest. One interesting aspect uh, is this track condition. There seems to be consensus that it's just not going to dry out all that much at Rose Hill given how rain-soaked it is when Coolangatta won here over the summer, James McDonald's first reaction when getting off her said, "I don't think she was that comfortable on the the shifty going or the softer going." So that's going to be an interesting
2: factor for her, added to the the long break between runs. Absolutely, I'm just actually having a look at the weather forecast for Sydney this week, Nathan. There's actually not a hell of a lot of rain around, um, mm-hmm. so we might get some drying conditions. Only potentially two meals Monday, one mil Tuesday, maybe five meals Wednesday, one mil. Thursday, potentially eight meals Friday, which wouldn't be ideal, and maybe another eight meals on Saturday. So there is rain around, but it's not um not Jeez, your forecast is interesting. You said there's not much around and then you said there's rain for every day. Well yeah, but there's only one <laughs> mil for zero to one meal for a few days there. But like um you know, with all due respect to Kieran Maher and Dave Eustace, I couldn't back cool go and get her at four dollars fifty with stolen money at the moment.
1: No, I suspect you'll get better than that. It's a fascinating race as it is each and every year. One of the really good stories to emerge out of Sydney Racing in the last month, he's gone four weeks in a row now, Shelby 66. We all asked whether that was just a flash in the pan last week when he split Eduardo and Nature Strip. Well, we got our answer yesterday.
5: Base boy being roused along a long way from home. Two lengths clear from Remark. Shelby 66 taking a rails run. Rule of Law thumped along. Gravina's four, five lengths away as Rule of Law moves up. Shelby 66, the inside, making a race of it. They beat off Remark. It's Rule of Law looking to protect his unbeaten record. Shelby 66 goes up the inside. The party boy, he's out every weekend now, and Shelby 66 wins the group one to group three today. He beat Rule of Law and Gravina. Then came Remark from Dream Circle, Space Boy, and a Prime Star dropping out of it. That's incredible.
2: Right here, Nathan. On the back of that, I've got two questions from, from, from yes. for you. Is this the well three questions really. Is this the most improved horse in the world or, or just an elite wet tracker? And have you ever seen a racing preparation like this in all your years in racing? Four weeks in a row, this horse has one. Yeah, you
1: get these horses from time to time. I can't think of a specific name off the top of my head, but there's some that just butter up week after week. It's it's less common in today's racing than it was years ago. Uh, I think he clearly is a superior wet tracker. I remember he won that... Um, I was on driving to Toowoomba when he won that uh, highway race a th- two weeks ago, and then almost caused that boil over last week but I remember listening to that interview that uh, Steve Hewlett did with with Danny Williams through the week and just him tossing up which way he goes and sort of half worried about um, the horses rating. well that's not a problem now. He's a Group 3 winner, so, <laughs> so some of those other lesser races he had in mind will be out the window. But um,
2: it's just a terrific story. And the punters who stuck fat, they were awarded $6.50. I know it was a Group 3 race, but given that uh, the week before gave no, that's true, an almighty fight. Well, I
1: think the thing there as a punter is sort of think, well, that's just a, a spike and yep. he has to regress from there. But um, got those same conditions and... Um, off he goes a couple other things out of sydney yesterday just folk a horse in the right place at the right time for josh julius choosing to head north and chase that wet track or wins the ajax over the hot pot Ellsberg.
2: yeah absolutely in another one nathan willie pike i guess uh, winning the far lap with mr mozart and uh, he's really starting to get a bit of momentum willie pike in sydney after moving over for covid reasons yeah, you got to know
1: willie pike reasonably well in your time down south you've had a fair bit to do with him and for me, from looking from afar, he's the the type of guy who's just going to be successful
2: no matter where he goes. Yeah, he's a very, very Cool cucumber, and again, we'll get to this horse shortly. But we'll be looking forward to riding Gypsy yeah. Goddess, uh, the good Queensland winner from yesterday in the Vinery and the Oaks.
1: Yeah, that race that Mr. Mozart won Farlap Stakes. Uh, Chris Wallace had a mortgage on that race, and Hunter's expected it to be the same yesterday. She was backed into a $1.60 fan girl, but um, perhaps not at home on the wet ground, giving bookmakers a good results. Stockman, who's been so consistent last 12 months, really he was good over the summer, gets the wet track that he loved, and uh, wins the sky high there yesterday so that's sydney let's head to eagle farm now um back racing at eagle farm for the first time in 12 weeks yesterday when we last raced there gypsy goddess uh, stamped herself as a potential oaks prospect in winning the grand prix stakes first meeting back and this is what unfolded
0: In the straight, though, Hatchet led the way from Military Gambler and then came Mary Me, alert and ready, followed by Red Wave. Here's Gypsy Goddess, look at her wind-up. Oh, she's coming, not two to their one, three to their one. Southern Stock can't go back last, but Gypsy Goddess went up, hit the lead, went away from Mary Me, then Military Gambler and Red Wave, but it's five from five. She's one untouched. She's ATC Oaks bound and she'll give it one hell of a shake. That was mighty impressive. Gypsy Goddess beat Merry Me, Red Wave and Military Gambler. Southern Stock didn't do much at all. And then came Hatchet and Alert and Ready last over the line. And she's won that in second gear.
1: Exactly what David Van Dyke was hoping to see from Gypsy Goddess uh, there yesterday. The man who had the, the, the sit yesterday was Kyle Wilson-Taylor, who who joins us now. Thanks for joining us, Kyle. No worries, Nathan. Mate, um, I'll start this by saying this. You, you've sat on a group winner previously in, in, in Incentivise... Uh, who's gone on and did what he did through the spring. Is this another Group 1 winner in waiting?
8: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, I I hadn't had as an electrifying feeling as I felt yesterday. That was uh, incredible.
2: What were the expectations yesterday going into it, Kyle? Because a bit of a bit of a funny one. Sixteen hundred meters first up. David Van Dyke was going to run a Wednesday, then scratch from what he thought was going to be a heavy track out at uh, Ipswich. So, you, you know, do, did you did you just assume you were going to win yesterday, or did you think there's a few things working against me here?
8: Um, yeah. Well, you can. It's racing, so you can never be too sure. But I, um, I was very confident. She's um, she's proven she's a. She's a very promising filly, and, um, oh, yeah, like you say, she, and she's pretty easy to write, so I was pretty confident. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to get the job done, which um, which which we did.
1: At what point of the race did you think the job was done? Was was about the 600 when you were just jogging along or just around the turn where she just tacked
8: on so easily? Uh, it was actually just around the turn. Um, it was quite funny, like, she... I've really had a horse do it, but as soon as I peeled her out, she went. I didn't really ask her. She sort of laid her ears back and she knew what she was doing. It was an incredible feeling and um, I just said to Andrew Maine as and I went past him that I hadn't felt it before, and he started laughing at me <laughs> as I went. It like he was nailed to the fence, so um yeah it was it was um awesome feeling. Uh, she's obviously going
2: to beat a lot better class of horse now, but I suppose it goes without saying she's only uh, you know gonna get better as the distances get longer as well
8: yeah definitely she's um like as you can see, they went a good clip early um and she was she couldn't keep up with them even like in her trials and things like that she, she she's the same she just switches off mid race and um I'm lucky I have had the the experience of sitting on her in trials and whatnot because um you know I think. A lot of, I think other jockeys and that might have panicked being that far off them mid-run, and that just just because you don't want like you never want to be that far off them, you know. But David, um, obviously, we both know her quite well, and David just said to me, "He goes, you just just doesn't matter where she gets to, doesn't matter how far off you are, just go through your gears. If she wins, she wins, great. If she doesn't, it's all about it's all about the preparation." So, um, and you know, she she won him. She beat them in second gear and um, she looks like she's going to go and have a great preparation.
1: Uh, We know she's now got a group one assignment in a fortnight at 2,000 metres. Just on pulling up, your impression of um, what sort of improvement she might take from that run? Yeah, she had a good blow and, um,
8: yeah, she's she's going to take a heap of improvement, I think. Um, But like I said, yeah, it's in second gear, so I'd like to see the rest of the gear she's got. (laughs) Now, in the
2: media, we like to talk up premierships and and title races and, and what have you. Um, obviously, you and Jaden Lloyd going at it for the apprentice title. He, he rode a treble yesterday. I think you're maybe four and a half wins behind him. Do we do we talk up these things too much, or does it really mean a lot to you uh, or both of you? I guess to, to try and prevail over the other in this in this premiership race.
8: Yeah, no, definitely. It's um, it, it's what we're both striving for. It's um, we, we both. It's our main goal. Um, you know this season um we're good mates but we're even better competitors and um you know he, he's riding in, he's riding fantastically and he, he's pushing me to my best which is you know um i think what you need it's really good for my development i think as it is for his so um you're only as good as your competition and, and he's really pushing me to be as good as i can be and i think vice versa so it's going to be a great battle
1: I spoke to you a few weeks ago and you talked about the, the learning curve that it is uh, when you, you come to, to town and there was a lot of expectation on you. And that necessarily doesn't come as easily as as what people expect it to. But one interesting thing you told me, you're using a, like a, a, a jockey mentor now or someone that you can sort of uh, point you in the right direction and, and can help you with the riding from watching from afar.
8: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm lucky that I've got a lot of people that uh, in my corner that... Um You know, honest with me and tell me where I stuff up and, and tell me where I, where I'm doing, you know, doing good things. You know, obviously I have Stephen Arnold. He's been helping me, uh, um, along with a few other people. So it's, it's good that I've got that support, you know, network. And, and, um, I think as young people in a hectic industry, it's really important to have, you know, because it can get a bit frying sometimes. Obviously, the hardest thing is, to deal with is your own ambition. I find, well, for me anyway, it's always it's always about how good you know. I I don't want to let myself down other, more so than other people. So um, so yeah, that that can be hard. But like I said, having that support um really helps. Yeah, well, it's it's
1: terrific watching you and Jaden go at it and lovely hearing you talk about that rivalry, but it's a, it's a good rivalry. And congratulations on your progress so far and you certainly got the job done for punters there yesterday, even if it might have been an armchair in the end. And uh, we look forward to seeing Gypsy S in a couple of weeks and uh, also we look forward to seeing you riding more winners into the future.
8: Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: Kyle Wilson-Taylor there who uh, did the job for punters on Gypsy Goddess. She's $6 equal second favourite with Fangirl behind your horse hinged for the Vinery, Ben, but she did shoot to the top of uh, ATC Oaks markets and we know that she's a a genuine stayer and um, we've seen David Van Dyke do it before with Yankee Rose, train them out of that Sunshine Coast stable and go down and win a well, she won the spring champion down there at 2,000 metres. So he's an alligator played as well, obviously. So he, when he gets a good one, he, he puts them on the right path.
2: Yeah, and gee whiz, isn't there something exciting about these unbeaten horses? Because you just don't know w- what their level is. Um, you know, these horses just keep winning. That's five in a row. Uh, for Gypsy Goddess, I uh, don't think the Viner is the race, but I reckon the Oaks... Uh, will be right in her sweet spot, as betting suggests, at
1: $6. Yeah. So as I said, that was our first day back at Eagle Farm yesterday. That'll obviously be discussed more in, in your part of the world. Ben, another double for the O'Day Hoistead stable yesterday. They just trotted up. Asami was heavily
2: backed and then contemptuous as well. That that juggernaut continues to roll on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they are the hottest trainers in Australia right now, aren't they, by terms of strike rate? Absolutely, they
1: are. Punners were sort of knocked out of contention in the last. Kyle Wilson Taylor was on a put there in Rockamore. didn't. Uh, I don't think he was going well enough, but he copped some interference and Caffrey didn't fire there either. So uh, bookmakers getting something back with Confessed at the end, but certainly Gypsy Goddess the highlight there at uh, Eagle Farm yesterday. Ben, we'll look forward to seeing her in a fortnight.
2: Yeah, and just a couple of other quick things, a little bit of a news wrap-up to finish, I guess. Nathan, before we go, um, Ben Thompson yesterday uh, was suspended for four weeks for careless riding for that incident out at Ipswich regarding Sacred Oath, uh, the part Shane Warn. Uh, Owned horse, Stuart said they probably would have given him six weeks, um, except he's got a a virtually exemplary riding record and could be another big week for Queensland Horses Queensland Racing with Isotope, the favourite for the Group 1 Galaxy in Sydney. Of course, Crone was scratched on race morning yesterday before the Coolmore, uh, but potentially a big week uh, for Tony Guy. I can't wait to see Isotope in the Galaxy. No, no, she's um,
1: ready to rock and rock. Karen McAvoy, I think, has the the ride there. So uh, we look forward to seeing her. Um, You'll have it all covered in the Courier Mail and RaceNet this week. So thank you for letting me uh, just warm the seat for David this week. He'll be back with you next Sunday. That's past the post uh, for Sunday, March thirteenth for Archer Park. Thanks for your company this morning. Wish everyone a great week ahead.